This is the non-microwave truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. This goes way back, way, way, way back to like maybe the first or second episode where I told you I would end up telling you what does C.L. stand for. I'm like, man, should I do that? It's Cornelius Lee. Now, if you see me, don't think you can call me that. Like, nobody calls me that. What does your mom call you? She doesn't call me that. She calls me CL. My dad has the same name, so in order to make sure we didn't have confusion in the house, that's how I became CL. CL really is my name, and I have nicknames off of CL. Some people call me Lil L, Baby C. Shout out to the other Baby C. Champ. Man, I got a lot of different nicknames, but CL is my name. I tell a lot of people that CL stands for champion life. You're so arrogant. Why would you say that? Come on now. A champion's life is only possible through the cross of Christ, baby, baby. So that's really what CL stands for. But let's get into our first world problem today. On the last episode, I talked about Jephthah. Jephthah was a judge in Judges 11, if you want to go read about him. And he made a vow to God that he would sacrifice the first thing that walked out of his door as a burnt offering. Like, like I promise God that if he gives the enemy into my hands, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me, that will be a sacrifice as a burnt offering. Yep, you heard it right. If you didn't listen to the last episode, you should go back and check it out. But the first thing or person that walked out of his door was his daughter. So our first world problem question today is this. Jephthah's telling you like, yeah, I'm about to burn my daughter because I made her as a sacrifice to God. What is your advice that you are giving him? What are you telling my man Jephthah? Are you telling him, yeah, go ahead and burn her. You made a vow to God. Or what are you doing? What are you doing? And this is our first world problem. So what I'm thinking I would say to him is, you need to pray. You need to pray a, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And see if, ask God to, to sacrifice something else, like sacrifice a, a bull or a lamb. Don't sacrifice your daughter. Where in the Bible does it say you should sacrifice a person? Like, what, Jephthah, were you commanded by God to sacrifice your daughter? Well, no, but I said that I was going to do it and I'm a man of my word. Well, you need to go back on your word. That's probably what I would tell him. But what would you say to Jephthah? Would you tell him, you know what? Go ahead. Since you made a promise, since you made a vow to God, you have to honor that. Or would you try to say or talk some sense into him and tell him, do something else. And I want to hear what you're thinking. Remember, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. And I would love to see or love to hear if you can provide some biblical support in your answer for what he should do or what advice you would give him. My handle is championlife23. And this is our first world problem. Well, this is actually a little more deep today, but you get it. It's a hypothetical thing that none of us, I don't think any of us will ever be faced with. Hopefully not. Probably not. Most likely not. It is dinner time. And before we get into it, I'm, I've been sharing, I shared my first name with you. I'm going to keep sharing random facts with you. Did y'all know I knew LeBron James? Like, he graduated in 2003. I graduated in 2006 from high school. Both of us went to private schools. He went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's. That's in Akron, Ohio. He has a wife named Savannah. He has three kids named Ronnie, Bryce, and Zuri. 
And man, Gloria used to throw down for us. Like, she makes some mean tacos. Some good old tacos. I'm talking about good tacos. That's his mom, if you didn't know or didn't catch it. But yeah, LeBron's my boy. I'm just kidding, man. I'm, I'm lying. I don't know him, know him. Like, we aren't friends. But I could give you some random facts about him. I could give you some, some true things about him. I really don't even know if that's how you pronounce his daughter's name. But it's a difference between acknowledging someone and knowing them and then like knowing them, knowing them and actually having a relationship with them. And the title of our episode today is Acknowledge Him or Know Him, because there's a huge difference. And this is probably sparked from I coach football. And before a lot of our football meetings, I would see players on their phones and they would be on Snapchat. And then I would kind of look at them because, you know, I could see from behind, like they taking a picture of their ear or the top of their head. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why did you just take a picture of your right ear? Like, oh, coach, you know, I'm keeping my streak going with somebody. Like, I got a streak of 300 days of consecutively sending this person a, a Snapchat picture. And it's like, you don't even see your face on there. And then I get to asking them stuff like, do you even know these people? And they're like, well, not really. But how many of us love to keep a streak going? They get used to it. It's, it's fun to have a streak going. And I had to think about it. I kind of have my own streak, which is on the Bible app, though. Like, you think, like, that's cool, right? But that can just become something that's on the checklist that you just end up checking off. And when I'm talking to my players and just seeing how the Snapchat streaks work, they weren't having conversations. They weren't really learning or sharing new things. They weren't even really seeing what the actual person looks like. Like you took a picture of the top of your head. That's so weird because you don't even really see the, the person. But I know some of y'all like on my Snapchat. Oh, I see who they are. Even then, you seeing them angles. You seeing a well with no water. Hashtag thirst trap. And I got to thinking, like, how much do we treat God like a Snapchat streak? Like, think about if you were keeping a streak with your ex, but you letting him see your face smiling and everything, and you giving your present boyfriend the same picture. You're giving them the same energy. You're going to have a problem. You're acknowledging, acknowledging both the same. And on this episode of Acknowledge Him or Know Him, I want you to consistently and constantly be thinking about like, am I acknowledging God or am I like knowing him, knowing him, like have a relationship with him? Because this is the culture of acknowledging God or Yah or Christ or Jesus of Nazareth. But... Do you really, do you really, really, do you really know him? Well, I pray every day and we talk. But think about this. When you are in a relationship and you really, really, really know someone, it's because of all the different situations you've seen them in. It's all the different experiences that you've shared. And we even pay money and spend extra time time trying to create new experiences and situations to get to know people. And an overlooked point oftentimes is the fact of when we have experiences in new situations, that other person, that other side, they get to see how you respond in all those situations. And then you can allow them to speak or to guide you or to still be with you. Because in real genuine and good, great relationships, 
not only do you know them, but they know you or, or vice versa. Because I'll tell you, working at a school is so many parents that I look at them and, and I hear them talk and I see how they move and they don't really know their kids like they really don't or, or vice versa. The kids don't know their parents. And what parents miss is that a school setting is a completely different setting amongst them, amongst their peers that a parent usually can't duplicate or see their kids in. I mean, because it's, it's just different. And then just looking at like boyfriend and girlfriend relationships. A lot of times those people don't know each other either, either because we are constantly changing. And more often than not, we're controlling the setting or the experience. So you can be prepared on how you respond or the setting or the experience keeping, keeps being the same pretty much. So you know how they're going to respond. But the more settings, the more experiences you see someone in, the more responses you usually get out of people. And yes, 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 yes. It takes work. It takes energy. It takes time getting to know someone. It takes effort from the other side. To have what we call a relationship, a good one at least, because there are definitely times when we see people or even talk to them every day and we really don't know them or have an in-depth relationship with them. I think about certain group chats, group chats with fantasy football. It's like I don't really know them, but, you know, we pretty much talk every day. And just think about this. Think about those different shallow conversations you have at school or work or standing in line or commenting under a post on social media. We get the microwave truth with that stuff. But if, if someone asks you, do you know what makes them happy? Do you know what makes them sad? Do you know what makes them mad? Do you know what makes them excited? Do you know what they love to do? Do you know what they hate? Do you know what they feel is right or wrong? Do you know what they care about? Do you know what that person is willing to die over? Do you know what that person is living for? And some of y'all are like, nope, I don't have the time or energy and I don't care. And I'm not saying you need to know everyone, but I am asking you, do you acknowledge or do you know God? Do you acknowledge or do you know God? Like, do you have a relationship with God? And I can tell you this about God. God wants to be included in everything. That's meaning he wants to be included in your prayers. He wants you reading his word. He wants you sitting and meditating on his promises. He wants you listening to him. He wants you getting to know him and putting in the effort. Now, I know some people are like, what's the point? Like, if, if I learned him when I was 20, why do I need to keep learning him when I'm 25 or I'm 26 or I'm 40 or 50 years old? Because God doesn't change. But what I've come to realize is that God doesn't change, but how we view him changes and just think about that. Like when you're 10 years old, you don't process stuff the same way you did when you're 10 compared to being 30. I mean, at least I hope not. And when our view of him starts to change, a lot of times it's changing because we all of a sudden are having new experiences and we're being put in new situations. And when this happens, we have to talk to him about this. We have to study him. We have to relearn him. We have to trust him. We have to see what his response is to this situation or this experience. And we have to listen to him differently. And a lot of times it's not because he's going to say anything differently. It's because we're asking different questions and we have a different expectation. Expectations are everything. And let's keep going forward with this. Forward with this. 
if you wanted to get to know the average person and they're 100% willing to share any and everything, the best person to talk to in that situation is that person then. Captain Obvious statement, right? Yet we don't do this with God. We turn to our feelings to tell us who God is. We turn to what makes us comfortable or doesn't tell us we suck to tell us who God is. We turn to what tells us we are a God to tell us who we are and who God is. We turn to this world to tell us who God is. When I say world, I mean like our culture, our society. So obvious, but we don't turn to God and his word to figure out who he is and really get to know him. We rather just acknowledge him from a distance. Well, that's because I'm not sure everything in the Bible is accurate. You have not asked God about this then. I can almost guarantee it. You have not really recently studied his word. You haven't looked at what Jesus has said about the word. Matthew 5 verse 17 tells us, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's talking about fulfilling the Old Testament. He's talking about taking the word of God. He came for the entire purpose of fulfilling what the word said, all the prophecies in it. Because I know sometimes people say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't necessarily believe everything in the Bible. But Jesus clearly said he he rocks with the Bible. Like this is what he does. He, he fulfills the prophecies in the Bible, in the good book, in the word. Yeah, like you can't separate those two. The passage continues on and it says, For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And there are a couple of points that Jesus is making. The first one being that the Old Testament law was needed, but at the same time, he was the only one that could be in perfect obedience with it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, a lot of times they were using the Old Testament in the wrong way, how they were interpreting it. And the second point is that he is he's pointing out how meticulous our Heavenly Father is with the words and the the preciseness of his word. Like he's not going to let it get tainted. I have heard plenty of people, people who don't even believe in God say, you know, the Bible has some awesome philosophies. Well, obviously it does because it's written by God. But to go even even deeper than that, God is not going to just tell us that his philosophies are important. But he's telling us in this passage that his words are important. Even the letters are important or the little dashes or exclamation points or whatever they were using. All, all of it is important. It's held in the highest regard. And he's reminding us of that. So that's how you know that the Bible is that important. And Jesus said this, not me. And on this episode of acknowledge him or know him, I want to look at Matthew chapter 15 and 16 today. And this is when the Pharisees get set straight and Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And when you compare the two groups, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and then you compare Jesus' disciples the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they could see that Jesus did miracles. They could see that he was different. They could even see that he got people to change. They could see that he spoke like no one they had ever heard before. And they could, they could even be like, we really can't find any fault in him. But they didn't know Jesus. Like they didn't have a relationship with him. They definitely didn't know him as their savior. They only acknowledged him as a different type of guy. 
it's like one of those times where you have one group who's looking at Jesus and they're like, man, he's a great loving person. And then you had another group, that Pharisees and Sadducees group, who's like, mm-mm, I don't like him. I don't like him. Something about him I just don't like. And the Pharisees, they were offended by Jesus. Like they could acknowledge who he was, but they didn't know him. They didn't want to know him. And the reason they were offended is because they got caught out on a stanky, upright ways. Jesus even said this about him. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And this is where I'm guilty of it. I think we all are at times. How many of us want to play God and come up with our own rules? Woo, child. We are all guilty of this at times. If your reason for not believing or wanting to know God more is because it offends your lifestyle, you're in the same boat as the Pharisees and Sadducees. And the devil says, since you're offended, you should reject it. Breaking news, breaking news. The devil wants you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to experience and know God's best. And what we see in Matthew chapter 16 is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they demand a sign. Now, I got to give you a little background. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they don't even like each other. This is like a Democrat and a Republican coming together. This is like a, an evolutionist and a, a fake church coming together just to say, you ain't it about Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 16, we have two different responses to who Jesus is. We have the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are like, yeah, he, he ain't all that. And then we have Peter. And Peter knows who Jesus really is. So you have one group that wants to acknowledge him, and then you have another group that knows who he really is. And Jesus points out to them, he says, hey, y'all could use the signs for the sky to predict the weather, but yet you ignore the signs from me. And that's because they didn't want to know who Jesus was. Later in Matthew, this is in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus asked a question, which is to lead up to another question. He says, hey, who do people say the son of man is? Who do people say I am? They reply, you know, some say you John the Baptist. Others say you the great prophet Elijah. And still others, they say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And with all of these different answers and responses from, from people, what people thought, you can definitely see that people could acknowledge that Jesus was different. And all the people seem to be like compliments. Like they named some big time prophets. They named some heavy hitters in, in their world. But when you are the best of the best and you're perfect, all those names are selling you short. And Jesus was the absolute best. He was perfect. So all those other names that people meant to be compliments, they were coming up short. It's like if you were 10 out of 10 and somebody named somebody that's an eight or a nine, like that would be cool if you were a five. But Jesus is a 10. He's perfection. And I have literally heard people say this, like Jesus was really about peace and like loving everyone and he was just a great philosophical person that wanted everyone to come together and to feel love and just feel good about themselves and he wasn't about promoting hate and, and all that sounds good but i didn't hear you mention that jesus was god and this next question this next question that jesus asked is the same question he asked each and every one of us today but what about you who do you say i am and Simon Peter answered, he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus says, "Ooh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, 
but my but by my Father in heaven. Now I know a lot of people have a different a lot of different views on who Jesus is. And I just want you to think about that. Are you acknowledging who Jesus is or are you knowing who he is? And I just have to hammer that point that God doesn't change, but we do. And sometimes people are like, well, you know, God didn't put that energy in or God didn't do this for me. And it's like Jesus definitely put in the time and the energy and the effort to get to know you. He died for you specifically. Our comprehension is just so jacked and messed up especially when we try to compare it to a perfectly perfect God and like have a godly view on it. Like time is very finite to us, but with God, it's infinite. It's incomprehensible. God wants to have an intimate, personal, special relationship with you. He can handle and manage all those relationships. Like he really, really wants to get to know you. But you're only going to know this by listening to his word and hearing his word. Now, if you really want to get to know him or let's say you just want to even give him give him a chance and you really want the truth revealed to you, the the non-microwave truth. Here are some things for you to do. Don't pigeonhole him. Trust his word and who he says he is and who the Bible declares him as like the whole Bible. Okay, You can't just pick one passage. Like, this is God because God is it's, it's, it's a lot. And spend time praying to him, talking to him, including him in everything you do. Now, to truly think about this, God shouldn't even acknowledge us, but he can't help it because he is love. Psalm 139 tells us, for he created our inmost being. He knit me and you together in our mother's womb. Like he knows us. Like he really, really knows us. And if you don't understand him or agree with all his ways, get to know him. Don't let the devil and your prideful flesh blind you from the facts that he wants you to be saved and he wants you to come to the knowledge of truth. You can acknowledge a possibility, and that's what a lot of us do, and just leave it at that. And just leave it at that. But that's not going to give you the absolute best. Or you can get to know the way, the truth, and the life and see how it transforms your life. Don't just acknowledge him. Know him. And this is the non-microwave truth. All right, I have a challenge for you. And that challenge is to read the book of Mark. It is one of the four gospels, meaning it's one of the four that really takes a look at Jesus's life and declares the good news. And the thing about Mark that makes it special is it really focuses on who do people say Jesus is and who is Jesus really? It was geared towards an audience that didn't really know the Old Testament or understand it. So it gets to the point. And It's also one of the shortest. It's only 16 chapters. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. So if you read a chapter a day, you'll be done in 16 days. You want to read two chapters in a day, you're done in eight days. And what I would highly suggest is, especially if you have the Bible app, is to listen and play it in a car or just play it so you can hear it. And then after you play it and you hear it, you also read it. And then that's a different way of hearing it. And just understand and be ready to see how Jesus introduces a a radical new way of life. He introduces a way that undercuts existing power relationships. And it really depicts Jesus in a number of different acts. But, But go check it out. That's the challenge. The book of Mark, 16 chapters. You can do it. I'm gonna do it with you. Let's do it. Because I know I've been telling you to get in the word and you're like, well, where do I start? Well, this would be a good place. Let's do it, baby. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Remember, if you like it or love it, leave a five-star, leave a review, share it, do something with it. 
Peace Punch, Captain Crunch, say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out.